Thank you very much. Um, my name is John Fisher, everyone. I'm a patent attorney with Matthews & Squire. Um, Matthews & Squire is a private practice law firm in London, um, specialising in IP. So we deal with patents and trademarks on the whole. Um, sometimes some other IP matters, but on the whole, we're, we're really a patent practice. We have about 50 patent attorneys. Um, I've been in the profession for about seven years now. I've been qualified for the last three. Um, that should give you an idea of just how long it does take to qualify. Um, that may put some of you off right from the start. Um, it's not an easy, easy route to take. It has a lot of rewards along the way. Um, but if this is something you are thinking about, then you need to be prepared for going in at the bottom, um, learning something completely new, seeing a lot of exams. We have a trainee attorney at the front of here, so she's in the, going through this process at the moment, um, smiling at me ruefully. Um, it's not the easiest route, um, but it's a very rewarding career. Um, to give you a, just a bit of background, I did a DPhil here um, with, with Tim Donahoe. Um, before that, I was at King's College London. Um, it took me a bit longer than law to discover that research really wasn't for me. I think I was somewhere in the middle of my third year of a DPhil, watching probably my fourth column of the day dripping away and just thinking, I was ready to slip my wrist and just thinking, this really isn't for me. Um, so I started to look around and think, what else could I do? Um, and I was aware of other people um, from the group that had gone into, into, into patent law. And the more I looked into it, I thought, actually, this seems like a, like a really interesting route. Um, so I, there's, a, there's a lot to go over in 10 minutes, but I'll do my best to try and tell you everything that I wish I'd known um, when I was applying to become a patent attorney. Um, so first of all, what is a patent attorney? Um, we're kind of a hybrid between a scientist and a lawyer. Um, we're one of the smallest branches of the, pa of, of the legal profession. To put, give you a bit of context, in the UK, there's about 120,000 solicitors, there's about 15,000 barristers, and there's just over 2,000 patent attorneys. So it's really very small. Um, patents are an IP right, an intellectual property. Other, other forms you might have heard of are copyright, trademarks, designs. Um, but most of the work is in patent, patent law. Um, and patents give a monopoly right to an invention. So um, an inventor, whether it be a big company like BP or Shell or a pharmaceutical company, um, or right down to a lone inventor, um, university departments, spin-out companies often based on, on their patent portfolio. Um, their patents give them a right to prevent anyone else from using their invention. Um, and they have huge commercial value. Um, R&D research in the pharmaceutical industry, for instance, costs a fortune. It costs huge amounts of money. And the way that is protected and the way that is recouped is via patent rights. Um, they're also very competitive. Um, one company won't like that another company has a patent that stops them from doing what they want to do. Um, so that's another aspect to what we do. Um, but as a patent attorney, the key roles are that you secure and defend patent rights. Um, you oppose third-party par third patent rights that your, your clients would like to see removed. Um, but you also provide str strategic advice. So um, if one of your clients is thinking of operating a new process, opening a new plant, they might come to you and say, um, we'd, we'd like to do this process, but we're not sure what other patents are out there or how they're going to affect us, so could you advise us in that regard? Um, you'll all have heard of you know, the Apple-Samsung disputes, the, the IP infringement disputes. Um, that's more a role for IP solicitors and IP barristers. Um, and they go via a separate route. Uh, it's, it's possible to go in from a chemistry degree, um, but generally via law school. So as patent attorneys, we don't go through law school. Our, all our training is done on the job um, via a series of um, professional exams. So the, the task we do, right from the very start, we would meet with inventors. And the inventors, we'd, we'd try and tease from them what, they, what their invention is and what they think it is and what it actually is are sometimes very different things. Um, we draft a patent specification. Hopefully a lot of you will have seen these. Um, they're 
quite complex documents sometimes, not easy to read. They're written in very um, legal language for obvious reasons, um, completely different style of writing from what law would do or from what you'd see in academic journals. Once we've done that, we prosecute applications. That means we try to get them granted. Um, so right now I'm managing a worldwide portfolio um, for a big, uh, a big petrochemicals company. Um, and I have probably about 400 cases running. And each one of those I'm trying to get granted. There are different issues that come up. The examiners in each country will raise an issue. They might say it's not novel. They might say it's not inventive. And there are various formal, formal arguments as well. So we try to deal with all those, those things. We're, we're actually advocates, basically. So somebody's opposing us and saying, we don't think this is allowable, and we have to provide reasons why it is. Or we might try and modify the patent specification to say, okay, well, you might have a point there, but how about this? Um, once a patent has been granted, as I've mentioned earlier, someone else might come along and say, we don't think that patent should have been granted. They'll oppose it. Um, so we would try and defend that. Um, or sometimes it might go the, the opposite way. One of our clients may, might say, oh, th this, you know, our competitors have this patent granted. Could you get rid of it, please? Because it's stopping us from doing our, our next big thing. Um, personally, that's my favorite part of the work. Um, you get to have a good argument with another attorney. During prosecution, you're just talking to a patent office. Um, but once you get into the um, contentious work after grant, you've got another patent attorney down the road um, who's disagreeing with you, and, the, and you get to have a, a bit of a scrap, usually culminating in a hearing. Um, so I, I often go to the European Patent Office, which is based um, in Munich and The Hague, um, where we have all hearings, where I will defend a case or oppose one, um, depending on how I'm, how I'm, um, how I'm acting. Um, and as I mentioned, we do um, advisory work, so freedom to operate, um, due diligence type, type exercises. Um, to give you an, uh, just an idea of what the work is like, it is largely office-based. It's generally working on a computer or with printed documents. Um, but the flip side to that is that every now and again, you find yourself on a plane to Munich where you're expected to stand up in front of, a, in front of either an appeal tribunal or some patent examiners or an opposition division and defend a case um, orally, as I'm, as I'm doing to you now. So that's a bit of a, a, a change from what you're used to. Your day-to-day -day work is very much almost hermit-like working at a desk, you know, really obviously with colleagues you talk and, and so on, but um, it's, it's very desk-based. Um, but you do find yourself on occasion thrust in front of an opposi opposition division or so on and expected to be able to present a case orally as well as in writing. It's very deadline-driven. Um, the whole patent procedure is all driven by deadlines, and they're very important deadlines. They can't just be extended as you would like. Um, sometimes you do find yourself under a lot of time pressure. And as I said, uh, just one of the portfolios I'm managing at the moment has probably around 400 cases. So there are a lot of things to juggle. Um, a lot of deadlines may come up at the same time. Um, so planning how you do your work is, is very important. Um, also, keeping your clients happy. You know, your clients might be nagging you, saying, we need this done, we need that done. Um, while at the same time, you're thinking, well, I've got this opposition file tomorrow. Um, I rely very he heavily on my secretary. She comes to me and knocks on my door every day and says, these are the things you have to do today. Um, and she'll come and nag me later in the day if I haven't done them yet. Um, there can be long hours, not all the time, certainly not city hours, so I don't think it, it would be like working in a, in a bank, but sometimes you do have urgent deadlines, you do have a client that may, may say, our invention's gonna be disclosed at a conference tomorrow, can you file a patent now? And you've got three hours before midnight when you <laughs> to suddenly to, to, to write a patent certification and get it filed. It's not normally how we work, but it does happen on occasion. But the flip side to all of those, I think those, those all sound a bit negative, is that it's extremely interesting. You get to see a whole lot of new, all, all the chemistry you're dealing with, by definition, is new. Um, it's very varied, very interesting. Um, all kinds of clients. I, I, I get to work with big pharma, 
big petrochemicals, but on the flip side, I get to come to places like Oxford. I'm doing a case with Darren Dixon at the moment, so I get to see the research that's going on here. Um, and as someone mentioned to me, just as I was getting my notes, I have chemical formulae on the back of my pad. Um, so I do actually set my desk and I do chemical formulae. So I'm not, I'm not far removed from the science side of things at all. Um, I just have another aspect, which is the legal side of things. So um, sometimes you might find that the chemistry you're working on isn't very interesting. I, a lot of the work I do involves acetic acid. It's a huge commodity chemical. And if someone has an invention that make, gives you 1% efficiency in how you make acetic acid, it's worth a fortune. Um, but might not seem particularly interesting from a chemical perspective. But once you find yourself actually at a hearing when you're arguing these, these issues um, with another attorney, actually, you suddenly think, you know, actually, we're well, quite getting into this. There's, there's a lot of good things to talk about. So even though if the science side isn't maybe keeping you as interested as you might think, on the legal side, you always have a different aspect to it. So you're never bored. Um, the work is very varied. As I say, one day you might be drafting, another day prosecuting. The next day you might be on a plane to Munich. Um, Remuneration's good. Um, <laughs> um, I should qualify that. At the start, probably not. Um, you would go in as a, as a trainee, completely starting at the bottom, not really knowing what you're doing, and, and really being a complete liability for probably your first year and a half. <laughs> um, but once you, you know, once you get your foot on the ladder, there are great career prospects. You, know, you can stay in private practice, you become a, a partner. Um, if money's what drives you, there's, the op there's a possibility to make huge amounts of money. I mean, uh, you see patent attorneys driving around in Aston Martins and Ferraris, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's no lie. Um, but then on the, other on the other hand, if it is the science that interests you, you know, people work in um, in-house departments. They work for companies like BP, like, uh, like Shell, like Pfizer, AstraZeneca, um, where they get to work very close with inventors. Um, in-house, in probably not so well remunerated, um, much more benefits, probably not so, the work isn't so hard, the hours aren't so long. Um, but again, a lot of interest. Um, it's very secure. Um, the profession is desperately understaffed. Um, we're in a bit of a catch-22 as a profession in that um, all the training is done on the job. So for you to actually get a, get a role in the first place and be trained requires somebody who's already in the profession to take time to train you. And because the profession is already understaffed, the people in the job are already busy. Um, so a lot of people find they don't really have time to train somebody. Um, so getting your first step on the ladder can be difficult, but once you're inside the profession, firms are crying out for people, and good people, you know. Um, if you get yourself a reputation as being a reliable patent attorney, you can, you can go wherever you want to. Um, so just to briefly cover how you get there, the qualification probably takes a bare minimum of three and a half years, and that's if you get very, very lucky. The exams are are notoriously difficult. No, there's no, no way of getting around that. Um, there, there are two qualifications to get. There's the CPA, Chartered Patent Attorney, which is the UK qualification, and EPA, European Patent Attorney. Two levels of exams for each one. Um, most firms will send you on a course at Queen Mary to get the UK foundation exams, and then you'll follow up with the um, UK finance exams maybe one or two years later. Everyone fails some exams. It's very, very rare for anyone to, to qualify without failing a single exam along the way. Um, out of the eight final exams, I failed one, so I feel, I feel like I got away quite lightly um, and picked that up the next year. But you do occasionally see people who might get stuck on one exam and they'll take it year after year and it might take them three or four attempts just to get that one exam. It's, it's, all, it's all they need. 
Um, so you do need a fair amount of tenacity to be able to deal with this. You know, you're, you're all intelligent people and you're always having, you know, top grades, you're from a top university. So actually for the first time in your life to fail an exam is probably not the easiest, easiest thing. And I can remember opening my results envelope and thinking, please, uh, as long as I pass one, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. So um, what kind of person should you be? Um, you need to have a, obviously you need to have an interest in science is what underpins everything we do. Um, you don't want to be too um, focused on one particular area because unless you work for, if you get very lucky in an in-house department, you might get a diet of work that's exactly what you want it to be all the, all the time. Um, but in private practice, you really need to be more flexible. Everything I do is broadly chemistry, but I mean, I'm an organic chemist by background. Um, but a lot of the work I do might be inorganic chemistry, it might be polymers, it might be um, materials. So that you need to have a bit of flexibility in terms of the information you're going to be work, working with. You need to have very good written English. Um, the, the work depends on the meaning of words to a ridiculous extent. You know, I, you hear cases where a single word or perhaps a single comma in the wrong place has affected the way a claim is interpreted. And that's had real-world real repercussions for, for businesses. Um, so it's one of the, the few professions where if one of your um, colleagues calls you pedantic, then they're probably giving you a, com a compliment because it, you really do need to be very very focused and have a real eye for detail. If you have an argumentative streak, that's quite good. You know, you don't want to, to lose cases. You want to, you want to win. Um, what we do, we're advocates. Um, so it, it's a bit different from the focus you have as in academia, is that sometimes you might look at a case and think, God, this is hopeless. You know, what, what, what are we trying to argue here? But if your client says, we want that other panel to be knocked out, then that's what your job is to do. You're, you're their representative. You're not there to, to give what might be a definitive academic answer to a, to a query. Your idea is to convince the patent offices that a patent should be granted or it should be revoked. Um, so you need to be able to give clear and persuasive arguments. You might need to argue a very balanced point, a very finely balanced point. Um, and uh, as I've mentioned, you need to have the motivation that you are going to start completely at the bottom of something completely new. And as I say, you're used to being successful people and to suddenly find yourself um, not really having a clue what you're doing for a good 12 months or so can be difficult. So I've as I've mentioned, how, how do you get in? Um, it is a small profession. The places are limited for the reasons I've said. Um, but that said, although it has a reputation of being very difficult to get into, I've been in involved in recruitment uh, at my firm, and actually the number of good applications you get are comparatively few. Um, you get a lot of applications from people who don't really understand what we're looking for and what kind of person we want. So we get a lot of people telling us that they're interested in you know, pushing the boundaries of science, they're interested in new developments, they're interested in you know, helping businesses grow, which is all well and good, that's all important. But what we really do is we're advocates, we're lawyers. And maybe one in ten letters, application letters we get will actually re recognise that. And will give us reasons why somebody's interested in being an advocate, why they're interested in, you know, do they have a background in debating, for instance, you know, why, what draws them to the legal side of the profession? Because if we get someone who's applying with a default from Oxford, we know they can do chemistry. You know, we don't need them to convince us of that. Um, but we don't know that they're going to be a good advocate. Um, so if you can demonstrate that you understand this side of the work, you've got a huge advantage over, over at least 90% of the people who apply because this just isn't recognised by, by applicants. Um, there is a course you can do, if you find it difficult to get in, there is a course at Queen Mary, um, an MSc in the Management of Intellectual Property. It's a one-year course, 
um, and it's a great stepping stone into the profession. Um, in general, you'd want to go straight in um, into a job um, because then you're being paid at least. Um, but if you find you know you are finding it difficult to get into a, into the profession, um, the Queen Mary MSc course is something to bear in mind. It might be a useful stepping stone to you. Um, one bit of advice I would say is use the career service. They are <laughs> they are they really are very good. Um, there's a quiz advisor Claire Chesworth who specialises in who specialises in um, patent law. Um, she was very helpful to me. I've checked today. She is still here. Um, go and see her. Run your application letters and CV by her, and she'll be able to give you a lot of good advice. Um, I tried to go it alone for a little while um, and didn't really get anywhere. I spoke to Claire and I had a job within a month. I don't know, perhaps coincidental, but she was she was certainly very helpful to me. Um, and talk to people. Don't be afraid of um, speaking to professors. Do you know anyone? You, do you have any former students who run the patent profession that I could get in touch with? You know, I, I'm quite happy. I'm on the quiz career service website, I'm quite happy if went on to email me and say, I'm interested, you know, w what advice can you give me? Um, it's good if you can do your homework first. You know, I don't really want to get an email from somebody who's vaguely heard about the profession and doesn't really know anything about it and wants me to deal with it, all of that for them. But if somebody, you know, has shown an interest in the profession, they, they have an idea of what it's about, but they want some hints and tips of how to get on the ladder, um, I'm more than happy to do that. And I'm sure that, you know, anyone else in my position would be, because we, we can empathise, we've, we've been there and we know how difficult that first step can be. Um, I'll just briefly mention there are a few related professions that you might want to bear in mind. There are patent examiners, they're on the flip side, they work for government or intergovernmental organisations, so they decide on behalf of the government civil servants whether a patent should be granted or not. Um, there are, as I mentioned, IP solicitors and barristers and, and technology transfer um, professionals. It's all related um, areas that you might want to consider if you think that maybe patent law itself isn't for you. Um, I think that's all I have to say for now, but uh, please do come and ask questions. As I say, I'm on the Career Service website. Send me an email if you're interested and you want to know more, or come and talk to me today. I'm more than happy. Mm -hmm. But thank you for your time.